0: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootballcbsi.com. Here
1: we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league.
0: Let's go! Now, here's some competition. Ranking Show here on Fantasy Football Today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Hope you had a great weekend. It's Monday, and we were supposed to have Dave, Jamie, and Heath on to talk about their rankings, because, you know, they all do rankings, and would have been fun to have them debate, but Jamie's sick. So best wishes to Jamie Eisenberg. Oh, he's got the XFL
1: flu. (laughs) Too much XFL. The good thing about the XFL flu is that it's gone in 25 seconds.
0: Yeah, right. Short play clock for the XFL. Although, Dave, a little deceiving because they don't start the play clock immediately. It's more like a 30-second play clock.
1: Uh, Wouldn't you agree? It's pretty close. It's not not bad, but it's definitely like a a, a fast-paced game. I I enjoyed the XFL. I know we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I, I, I found myself enjoying it.
0: Okay, so first question for Dave and Heath. What did you watch more of, the XFL or the Oscars?
1: I didn't watch one
2: second of the Oscars. Uh, Oscars? Yeah, I watched. You? I watched more Oscars, definitely. If you count the red carpet. Um, see, it's no. weird because I no. like it was on in the room I was in, but I was reading. I definitely, though, I think, still saw more Oscars than I did XFL.
0: I I thought the XFL was fine. I thought it was. I thought it was. I, didn't I say did anything not see anything any about double. the XFL. No, no. Just I heard a question. I didn't say you did. I didn't say he did. Relax. It's all good. Uh, I didn't see any double forward passes, though. Did they happen?
1: I I think I saw one. One on Saturday. I did not see any. Where it's like a shovel pass, and then there was a pass after that. And if not, then I'm making it up, and that's what they should do. But no, there was nothing great. Okay. There was almost one. There could have been one where uh, I think it was Tamu was Ooh. like, wait, the the snap went over Jordan Tamu's head. He's the quarterback for St. Louis. Okay. He goes and cat, he, he retrieves the ball. It's 20 yards downfield. He still throws it to somebody downfield. If the man had caught the ball, he would have been hit for a 10 yard loss and said, fortunately, he dropped the ball. But if he had caught it and then thrown it again, that would have been a, a two pass play, but
2: that was an incomplete pass. That was almost a two. It pass was play. like
1: it was like a great play for them because he dropped the pass that went over the, from the snap. You
2: know what I mean? It, was, it would have been a nightmare of a play for St. Louis, but they went on to win. I kind of the thought Battle Al, Hawks kind of got out. Yeah, Al Pacino got uh, robbed. Thought he should have won, but other than that, Well yeah, it's sent it was a good weekend.
0: A lot of people got robbed at it. If you haven't seen Adam Sandler's speech from the film awards that were the night before the Oscars, I don't even know, like the independent something or whatever, whatever's. That is worth watching. Uh, just YouTube or Google that. Okay, so back to, uh, we'll talk about the XFL. Some of the cool things in the F- XFL. If you missed it, uh, the the access you get to the players, to the coaches, to the replay booth. We'll talk a little bit about that. Some of the top performers. But let's. Uh, we're, it's a ranking show. Plus, we do have some notes to get to. Notes about Cam Newton, Todd Gurley, Dwayne Haskins, Russell Wilson, Derek Henry, Marlon Mack. Uh, but here's your stat of the day because I know you guys like Alan Robinson Heath. You like him the most. You have him tenth in PPR. Jamie and Dave have him sixteenth. Alan Robinson, I look like, nobody nobody cares about Taylor Gabriel, but here are Robinson splits: eight games with Taylor Gabriel this year, forty three catches, four hundred fifty nine yards, one touchdown on seventy targets. Without Gabriel, including one game at Gabriel left early with an injury. 55 catches, 12 more catches, 688 yards, that's more than 200 more yards, and six of his seven touchdowns on 84 targets. Allen Robinson was garbage with Gabriel. He was really, really good without him. Your thoughts, since you're the high guy on him.
2: I don't know that Gabriel's going to be on the team. I think he's a potential cap casualty, and I— think that these splits are probably more reflective of a little bit of randomness like he was on pace for what 80 catches with Gabriel I would expect he that'd put him a little bit over a thousand yards I don't think he only scored one touchdown with Gabriel for any real reason so I I I don't take much out of it the Bears will save
1: four and a half million bucks if they cut Gabriel they'll save more if they keep him this year and then cut him next year but he could always restructure, and then he's there. You know, Anthony Miller benefited from Taylor Gabriel not playing as well. So we'll we'll yeah. see what happens, but Robinson still looks like a guy that's going to get a lot of targets and a lot of catches. Entering a contract here, if the Bears were really in cap trouble, they'd have to cut or restructure him, but they're not. So Allen Robinson will be
0: there. Well, Dave, you've got him 16th. Guys you have ahead of him that Heath does not, uh, Amari Cooper, Julian Edelman, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen? Mm-hmm. Care to discuss?
1: No, I like the those guys better. I think they've got a little more upside than Robinson. I think they're a little more fun than Robinson.
2: Yeah, I don't like definitely with Keenan Allen. I could see that depending on what his quarterback situation is. Like, I, I know Robinson's probably isn't going to be very good, but it's probably not going to be worse than it was last year. I think there's a legitimate chance Could be right better now that Keenan Allen situation is going to be worse than it was in terms of quarterback next year.
1: If it's Justin Herbert for the Chargers and Tyrod, Tyrod's under contract.
2: I know, but you know Justin Herbert. I think the most Either. likely thing. What if it?
1: Okay, they draft a rookie and start Tyrod. That's possible. Uh, Tyrod's been there before. What if it's Nick Foles in Chicago throwing passes to Allen Robinson? You dig oh. that? Um, I don't think he'll be worse than Trubisky was. A couple of jag ex Jaguars playing in Chicago—that's the secret to it. And then, football, Ed, like right? Edelman's,
2: 117 years old, and we don't know who his quarterback is. And he's banged up; he got banged up um, last year. And Thielen's, I'm assuming
1: Brady's back in New England. Thielen's
2: 30 and was outperformed by Diggs at last year. So I, I don't
1: know. I don't know. I I get it. it. Like, I I feel like Allen Robinson is like a really safe receiver. Someone's going to take him to be a number two guy, maybe a number one guy. If you spend your first three picks on non-wide receivers and just a safe dude who you can pencil in for 75 catches, thousand yards, six touchdowns. Uh, He's not exciting. I don't think he'll finish as a top 12 receiver, but he's not a bad guy either. So I I get it. I just don't I'm not showing him the type of love that you are because I don't think he's got the same type of upside as other receivers have.
0: Now, you know I'm going to have to dispute what you just said about Adam Thielen, Heath. He was not outperformed by Stefan Diggs when he was healthy. He was not.
2: Um, sure. Yeah. If you just t- take out the, all the partial games and take out the games after the injury was suffered and just look at the games before he got hurt at any point. But everybody's playing banged up. Yeah, yeah, but there's but, a difference <laughs> between playing banged up and not playing at all. But like the games that he played when he came back from injury, Diggs was better than him.
1: For sure. But when it, he was he healthy. left so early. Yeah, six games at the beginning of the year, fifteen point three PPR points per game. And I don't think I don't think Diggs got there and he played almost all year. I don't think he averaged quite that much. I'll double check right now, using my really fancy spreadsheet. And thirteen point five PPR
2: points over no, the course of the No, Yeah, I, I wasn't just, he definitely was better in those six games, but he played more games after that. Thielen. And he was he not did, but he was fifteen obviously. fantasy points per game after that.
0: Okay, so we'll have more rankings disputes uh, a little bit later on in the show. Let's do some news and notes, guys. So, uh, Carolina GM Marty Herney kind of avoided questions about Cam Newton. He mm-hmm. will come up in the rankings today. Uh, you guys have him 13th for Jamie, 18th for Dave, and 12th for Heath. Two years ago, he was a top-eight quarterback. He's sixth in and 4.8 and six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues on a per-game basis, and that was playing – much of the season with a shoulder injury. And so he was my favorite quarterback to draft in 2019. And obviously, preseason injury, rushed for negative one yards in two games. And uh, that was it for him. But yeah, the Panthers don't seem completely committed to him. What's your read on that situation?
1: It tells me that they're waiting to see just how healthy Cam Newton is before they make a determination on him. Cap wise, it makes sense because he's getting under $20 million this year to play quarterback. But is he healthy? Can he do what this offense is going to be? What is this offense going to be? So I I think until the Panthers get a few more questions answered about Cam's health, they're not ready to say, they're not ready to be as
2: conclusive as Cam was during Super Bowl week. Yeah, I don't think there's much chance that Cam Newton will actually be my number 12 quarterback when we get to August. If he's 100% healthy in July, then he probably moves up to be a top seven or eight guy. And if he's not 100% by the time we get to July, then he's probably not in the top 20. So if he's
1: he's going to be somewhere in between those. If he's not 100% by the time we get to July, he might not be on the Panthers. Right? There's, there's I would a chance that they could cut him loose. And I think they save a bunch of cash if they do that. I'm not 100% sure. But this is a wait and see situation. And so because of that, I've got him ranked way lower. I, I wouldn't draft him right now.
0: Todd Gurley's future with the Rams is somewhat in question, according to Ian Rappaport. I think he said all options are on the table. Do you think Todd Gurley's the lead running back for the Rams next year? Yep.
2: Yeah, I do. I don't. He's a really hard guy to move, kind of like David Johnson. And still probably better than David
1: Johnson. I, well, at least David Johnson's knees are healthy. We, we don't have to worry about that like we had to with Todd. And Gurley, like he wasn't consistently good in terms of the way that he played. I know his fantasy totals were great. He scored a ton of touchdowns. But I don't think he ran very well. But he was on better than Johnson. carry after carry after carry basis. Yeah,
2: because well, he scored 300 touchdowns. I think he was better that's an running exaggeration. the football. I think he was better running the football than Johnson. Do you? But he was not near as good catching the football. I don't think both were really that
1: yeah. good last year, and that's why there's talk about them getting traded. But I can't see a team giving up something for Todd Gurley, knowing that his contract is bloated, his knees aren't right. I think the Rams are stuck with him, and my guess is that the Rams are going to use him similarly to how they used him last year, which isn't bad for fantasy if he can hold up.
0: The Redskins see Trent Williams, their left tackle, as part of their plans for 2020, according to Ian Rappaport, but they seem a little lukewarm on Dwayne Haskins. I, I don't know. It's hard to read between the lines. They want him to step mm. up. That's that's yeah. for sure. They're not just handing him anything. He ha- He made Poor. seven starts. He played nine games, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions in those nine games. Showed some signs of life in his last two games. 22 fantasy points against the Eagles, 17 fantasy points against the Giants, but only 15 pass attempts. And actually, Haskins only th- had one game out of seven starts with more than 29 pass attempts, so they were a heavy run team. Uh, what do you think about Dwayne Haskins and I- Terry McLaurin? It's going to be in the rankings discussion because I know, Heath, you're super high on McLaurin.
2: I think Haskins will be better. Like we should expect, just like with every rookie quarterback, they'll be better than they were the year before, unless they were good, and then they'll probably just be good. But yeah, I think I think he'll be better, but not good. Do you know why they're
1: uh, they're they're lukewarm? I'm using air quotes on Dwayne Haskins. I think is because they've got the number two pick and they want to try and build a market for it to try and get another team to yeah. jump up there and get Tua Tagovailoa. So I would imagine anything they say that suggests that they're all in with Dwayne Haskins lowers the value of that pick. Is Tua oh, is somebody sorry. more likely to give up more <laughs> to trade for Tua than Chase Young? Absolutely, he's a
2: quarterback. Yeah, but we don't know if he can even play this we're, year. We we're like...
1: assuming that, you know, he's getting a CAT scan, I think today that right. he gets the results and, and to see just how much progress he makes. And I'm assuming that he's gonna be okay. So as long as he's all right then Tua will be number two or number three in the draft.
0: Listen, if the Redskins if they think that Tua is healthy, they should absolutely draft. I Tua. agree well, okay. absolutely. I, like, and then
2: you flip Haskins for whatever true, you can get. But this isn't true yeah. for all quarterbacks. You just think that Tua is that good because, like, we're not saying every Division One quarterback should be drafted ahead of all non. No, I don't think they should like, do this with Herbert. Do. I'm not sure No. Yeah.
1: And it's with the qualifier uh, just, if he's healthy. Cuz if two if there's any questions about his health, they can't do it.
0: Yeah. I just you just go back to a year ago and the way people were talking about Tua and the type of prospect he was, he was going to almost certainly be the number one pick and Mm -hmm. I I think you know it's just the injury that's holding people back and I don't think there was that we know enough about the process of how they selected Dwayne Haskins there was a big split in the building not everybody was sold on Dwayne Haskins so if you're sold on Tua, I I don't care that you have Haskins you do what the Cardinals did and you take Kyler Murray when you have Josh Rosen you trade Josh Rosen I think you absolutely do that and then you let the Giants take Chase Young the one problem is the uh, one guy in the building for
1: Washington that was sold on Haskins is the one that might matter the most and that's the owner so yeah, we'll see. Maybe he can be convinced otherwise. I'm sh- pretty sure he could sell a bunch of Tago Vailoa jerseys and tickets, and that's a problem in Washington. So, if he's I I'm, I'm telling you, if he's healthy, I, I think you're right, Adam. I think Washington has to take a very long look at him, if not take him at two.
0: Russell Wilson wants to be more up tempo. Ooh, that would be fun, huh? We've been
2: hearing about this for, I feel like, two weeks now. That's one of the minor adjustments I've made to my projections since um I finished them and I, I did increase their pass rate just a little bit because it's so low compared to the rest of the league any type of indication that they might throw the ball and play a little faster I'm going to it's a possibility I'm excited by that it could happen It'd be oh, great I, I for wish Lockett it does. and Metcalf I
1: wish it would they sh- they should do and it And then I, they've got two great receivers uh, they can address their offensive line and make it better. Their run game is a little suspect right now. I would say we don't know how Chris Carson's going to come back from his latest injury. Build around that stud, and and that would give him potential to finish as like the number one or two quarterback in fantasy. If he had more opportunities. All
0: right, and then I'll just run th- run through the rest of the notes here. Derek Henry says he's going to be seeking a, at minimum Ezekiel Elliott's contract, six years, ninety million. Franchise the Jaguars going to play. Two games in London for the Jaguars. Two games. Wow, that's their home stadium uh, in Wembley. Sammy Watkins says he will play in 2020, and the Colts are working on a contract extension with Marlon Mack. That's according to the Indianapolis Star According to me, you should be listening to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Five episodes per week starting this week with position previews beginning, I believe, on Wednesday. We'll do relief pitcher and catcher this week, and uh, then we'll get to first base and the rest on uh, during next week and the following week. It takes a while to do baseball position previews, but we'll get them done. And, yeah, just check out Fantasy Baseball Today. Check out our newsletter. Sign up right now. Go to cbssports.com newsletter. Stay up to date with fantasy football content all offseason long. Your news of the day, your podcast content, your editorial pieces, prospect profiles, rankings, and more. That's at cbssports.com slash newsletter. Here we go to the rankings. Okay. Quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and Heath. Huge controversy. You have Will Lutz as your number one kicker and Justin Tucker as your number four kicker. Dave and Jamie have Tucker number one debate.
2: They don't kick field goals as often in Baltimore anymore because they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So I factored that in in lowering Justin Tucker. If they had Joe Flacco again, I think he'd probably be the best kicker again. Okay. What, Justin what Tucker's just been kicker
0: Yeah, he's been. He's just been. Dave, uh, Heath, what's wrong, Adam? I was asking Heath what else from his uh, his kicker rankings he'd like to debate.
2: Uh, there's a lot of similarities between my February <laughs> kicker rankings and the 2019 order of finish of kickers. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: okay. I'm always looking right, for consistency all. from kickers, and I think we got a, some pretty good consistency from Tucker. So, I took him. He's. I think he's. He's pretty good. He's a good kicker. I think. I'm this not going to fight over
2: thing. Will. I, I don't think we're actually supposed to be debating that. Oh,
0: well, thank I, you, thank you. That's exactly what this was. It was a shtick. <laughs> Heath hates kickers, so I went to his <laughs> kicker rankings. Okay, let's get back to the to the basics here. Kyler Murray, top five for Dave and Jamie. Jamie has him fifth. Dave has him fourth. Heath has him tenth. I'll start with you, Dave. Uh, Kyler Murray, QB four.
1: The other thing about Justin Tucker is no, I'm just messing around. Uh, look, I, I think we've we're we're starting to approach quarterbacks a little bit differently now. We're seeing them as dual threat type players or just cannon arm superstars that can put up huge numbers in any given week. We want the upside. We want to we want to try and get quarterbacks on our fantasy team that can get close to 30 points per game, maybe even well over that. In the case of Lamar Jackson, and so. Someone in every draft, and I might be that someone in a lot of our drafts, will reach a little bit for Kyler Murray, assuming that he continues to run the football, that Arizona's offensive line is improved, that the receiving core is better than it was last year. They throw downfield a little bit more. I think Murray can do those things. And I would expect him to take a a big jump forward in terms of how he plays in the NFL. And I'm, I'm buying into that upside knowing that it's going to cost me a pick higher than I might normally want to get Kyler Murray at. But I can also get a quarterback late in the draft to back him up in case he doesn't come through. So to me, Kyler Murray has a chance to be the next Lamar Jackson. He's got potential for maybe not 1,200 yards, but six, 700 yards, plenty of touchdowns, plenty of passing. yards. He's a really good passer. And I, I I see him as being one of those top five fantasy quarterbacks at the end of 2020.
2: I don't like being the low guy on Kyler Murray. I would like to have him ranked higher. So I don't want to argue too much that like I am right in having Kyler Murray 10th. So what I will argue is if Kyler Murray had a better receiving core and threw the ball downfield just a little bit more and made a huge leap as a passer, he might be Dak Prescott. And so I just I can't rank Kyler over Dak or Russell Wilson because they are guys that can do all of the things that Kyler can do. They already have better situations around them and they've already proven to be probably better than Kyler Murray will ever be. So, like, those are the two. I could understand Kyler as, like, where he he is in our consensus is where I would like to rank him. I've not found a way to manipulate the numbers (laughs) to get him to that point. And so he's still down at number 10. It's going to take a huge improvement for him to make that type of leap. And I get it with what you're saying about he could be what Dak Prescott
1: was. Here's the question for you. Is Dak who he was in 2019. Can he do that again? And we've talked about this and maybe you don't have to answer now. It's something that you marinate on for a day or two, but is Dak Prescott capable of matching the numbers he had last year? Or is he taking a step
2: backward that opens the door for Kyler to step ahead of him? And that that's what I'm thinking. I happens. think he's definitely taking a step backwards. I took, I took 10% off across the board. Um, it's just that he was number two last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he takes a step backward, he can still be top five pretty easily.
1: But well, that's 4500 yards uh 28 passing touchdowns. Right, so you knock 3 off of that so 25. No, 28 is what I have in projection. Oh, okay. So we had what? 30 last year, 31, something uh-huh. like that. Right. Um yeah, I think Kyler can get there. I'm I'm excited about him. I I think that he it, it is continue I'm assuming that that offensive line gets better and that Cliff Kingsbury goes back to the lab this offseason and finds ways to make Kyler more effective. That's the
2: thing that I really—because, like, we came into last year with really the only hope was Kyler Murray's going to be really exciting, Cliff Kingsbury's offense is going to take the NFL by storm. By basically any measure we have, Cliff Kingsbury was pretty mediocre in his first year as a, an offensive coach. You know what? He, he had to change his offense, And yeah. usually when when we see those guys come in with these new concepts— the first years when they have success and then everybody catches up to them. Yeah. He
1: changed his, he changed his style. Yeah. Midway through the year.
2: I don't know whether to view Kingsbury as a positive or a negative.
1: I think it's positive that he was able to change his style and just make his offense. um, He, he made the offense more about the strengths of who he had on the team. And he tried, he didn't try and force it to be his way all season long. He realized, okay, I've got to change some things to try and stay competitive in some of these games and, and it worked out, and maybe he gravitates back to what he did in college now that he's got a better team around him. I, and I wouldn't take Kyler Murray until round seven in a PPR draft. That would be the absolute earliest I would take him, I think, or anything earlier than that, just too soon.
0: Well, one thing that he does that Dak Prescott doesn't do, he'll, he'll run for more yards. I mean, he ran for 544 yards as a rookie. Dak Prescott, I don't think he's ever been above 350. 357 is Dak Prescott's career high. So there is that. And then I think Murray was a little unlucky. If you look in the red zone, he had the 7th most red zone pass attempts, 23rd most red zone passing touchdowns, 8th most pass attempts inside the 10, 12th most touchdowns inside the 10. And then the rushing, he had five carries, inside the you know he had three carries inside the five yard line he did not score on any of them Josh Allen had five carries inside the five yard line he scored on all five of them <laughs> Lamar Jackson had five carries inside the five he scored on three of them so I remember just thinking gosh Kyler Murray has been very unlucky this year so maybe there's uh, just some t- some positive touchdown movement
2: I think he was absolutely a little bit unlucky when it comes to passing touchdowns. The fact, I mean, he is a quarterback who had four rushing touchdowns, and it's not like he ran as much as Lamar Jackson. I don't think you should really expect him to score more than four times on the ground next year.
0: Let's go to our. By the way, let me let me reset the rankings here because if you're just listening to the podcast, I, I encourage you to do one of two things: either go to youtubecom slash today and watch the episode, and you'll see the rankings come up. See or your hair too, Adam. Just go to. Oh, I have such bedhead. It's horrible. I couldn't fix it. I'm sorry. Uh, or go to our website. Just go to cbssports.com/slash/fantasy/slash/football and click on the rankings, and they are now updated. And you can follow along. And when you look at the quarterback rankings, it's Mahomes and Jackson one, two, and Watson three for Jamie David Heath. Then you've got Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott in the top six, and Kyler Murray in the top six for Dave and Jamie. Top five, in fact, but but ten for Heath. Uh, so we talked about him. How about Drew Brees? He's 10th for Jamie. Drew Brees is 8th for Dave and 14th for Heath. And he was pretty much a I think he was the number 3 quarterback on a per game basis if you take out the Rams game where he left really early with an injury. Just his healthy games, number 3 quarterback. I understand not ranking him there, but Heath 14th for you, you're the low guy on on him and Dave and Jamie have been the top 10.
2: And I think like kind of what Dave said about Cam Newton, we we may not know for another three weeks if Drew Brees is going to play football this year. So if I was drafting right now, I couldn't draft him like my starting quarterback. Um, I I do think they are more likely to be a little bit more run heavy. And he'll be a low-end starter if he plays. He was number two in consistency last year.
1: He scored more fantasy points than any other quarterback In the final five weeks of the season, there's an asterisk next to that because Lamar Jackson didn't play in week 17, and Drew Brees did. Seven games with 25-plus fantasy points out of 11 that he played. I think that's pretty good, and... I'm I'm working under the assumption that he'll be back in New Orleans, that the Saints will add another piece to their passing game, that their offensive line will be OK, and that Drew Brees will end up being one of a handful of quarterbacks that you can wait on on draft day. You'll see Kyler Murray go ahead of him. You'll see Josh Allen go ahead of Drew Brees. I don't know if that's necessarily the way it should be, but I think Drew Brees will be an unbelievable value pick in fantasy in 2020.
0: Let's wrap up quarterback by talking about a couple of older guys. Ben Roethlisberger, not like Drew Brees. Well, I mean, we just got done with Drew Brees, who's like the second oldest quarterback
1: in the league right now. So
0: go ahead. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Heath, you have them back-to-back, but you have Fitzpatrick one spot ahead of Roethlisberger, and you're the low guy on Roethlisberger. Dave and Jamie have them about 15th, 16th for Jamie, 15th for Dave. You've got Ben 22nd. Fitzpatrick... Dave, like not, even a, not even a thought for you. Like 31st for you, whereas uh, Jamie and Heath have Fitzpatrick 21st. And he was in his last 11 games after Josh Rosen stopped playing. They were just like, we're done with Josh Rosen. Fitzpatrick was the number four quarterback in fantasy. Pretty crazy. Uh, so, Dave, um, you have Roethlisberger ahead of Fitzpatrick. You have Fitzpatrick basically off your radar, 31st overall.
1: Because I'm assuming that the Dolphins add another young quarterback It'll probably be somebody who doesn't start right away, whether it's Tago Viloa or Herbert or whatever they end up doing. Maybe they trade for Dwayne Askins. Who knows? But I think that Fitzpatrick won't be a reliable fantasy starter for your team. I don't think any of us are drafting him in a one quarterback league if he's ranked 21st or later. So I'm just taking the approach that he won't play much, if at all. And um Until that changes, you're going to see him way low in my rankings, despite the fact that he was pretty fun to have on your fantasy team last year.
2: Yeah, I think the most likely outcome, because I I could definitely see him not being on your fantasy roster in a two quarterback league in the fantasy playoffs. But I do think it's likely that he starts eight plus games to start the year because I don't think there's another young quarterback to bring in that's ready to play right now. Um, like Tua seems to be the best pairing with Fitzpatrick. We'll see if somebody jumps over them to make that move, but that would make the most sense. And that would probably mean that we're seeing 10 to 12 weeks from Fitzpatrick. So it's, but I'm more concerned. I just need to see something positive about Ben Roethlisberger. Like tell me that he's doing some sort of exercise <laughs> and throwing, throwing a tennis ball, throwing, or something. throwing things and yeah. like getting along with people and definitely playing football because like, that was a rough look at the end of the year that yeah. he, he had going on, and oh,
1: you mean like his the way he physically looked? Yes, he looked like Grizzly Adams did have a beard.
2: Um, and he's <laughs> way up there in age. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Hasn't thrown for a long time, and so I, like, I I hope that I get something over this summer, and we're just like, yeah, Ben looks like the old Big Ben, and he's out there running around throwing. We're probably not going to run, but throwing footballs, and and then I'll I'll move him up. And I'm, I'm expecting what you're looking for, that he's all healed
1: up and ready to go and at the helm of this offense that should still be um, pass-centric. I know they weren't last year. That's because they didn't have a good quarterback. But I've got questions about their run game. I don't have questions about their offensive line. And I think their receivers, I think Deontay Johnson is someone who could take a nice step forward this year right alongside some dude named Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't know if you remember him, but he used to be really good for fantasy. He was all right, and Roethlisberger likes throwing to him. So, uh, like, just as an example, I've got Roethlisberger three spots ahead of Cam, and both of them coming back from an injury, both of them definitely in the back half of their careers. I mean, the sun is setting on both of them, but I think there's a better chance Roethlisberger ends up starting and playing 16 games than Cam. Yeah,
2: I... I I don't think we, we don't know that, but right now I'm more worried about Ben. As soon as I see Ben do something, I'll be fine.
0: Moving on now to running backs here in the running back rankings, and obviously you know the names that are up top. And I'm going to try to talk about players that we haven't talked that much about during the off season because we've we've certainly debated a lot about uh, really the, the teams that were playing in the playoffs. So uh, try to find some some new storylines here. Heath basically does not like the year two running backs. I think that is what's what jumps out. We'll get to that in a moment. Compared to Dave and Jamie, he he's lower on Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, and Devin Singletary, and by a lot. So Keith, I don't know, okay, you've got some I, I, complex. Can we get there. to
2: that now? No, I just dis, I disagree with the by a lot. Like the the it's biggest range here is between twelve and 20, 11 and twenty-one, eleven and eighteen, fourteen and twenty-two. That's not That's a, a huge range at running back. No, the the difference between number fourteen and number twenty-two is not a big difference.
0: It's a it's a, it's eight running they're backs. Both number round. two running
2: backs. What well, do you mean? All that's three.
0: That's ridiculous. That's one hundred percent true. No, they, they, there's a big range between number two running backs. Someone that you rank twelfth compared to twenty first. That is a big difference. No. Yeah.
1: The the thing that stood out to me when I read <laughs> over your notes, Adam, is that I, I don't have Philip Lindsay ranked ahead of Sanders, Jacobs, or Singletary, and Heath does. And that's that's what I want to hear because I think I think Lindsay is okay. I think he's I think he's gonna be the lead back for Denver. I think he'll be all right, but I don't see like a path for him to be a top ten fantasy running back like I do, certainly for Jacobs. Quite quite honestly, I see it for Singletary too, and I I wanna see it for Sanders, but I just know what Philadelphia does with their running backs, so I might soften it and say more of like a top twelve-ish type of guy for Sanders, which is why I've got him where I've got him. But I'm curious to where your mind's at with Lindsey versus the second year running backs, because I would I would guess that as it stands right now, all three of these guys will get picked ahead of Lindsey just because they're second year backs who
2: finished 2019 strong. They they were very similar in their rookie year to what Philip Lindsey was in his rookie year when he was a number 13 running back in fantasy. Um, And he did it with a lot of extreme efficiency. And that's what we saw from Singletary and Sanders. And I'm generally going to regress that efficiency. And I pro like both of those guys, I had to make some manual adjustments because they got more touches as the season went on. Hmm. But I still don't feel 100% confident that miles Sanders is just going to be like 300 touch feature guy. He could be, it's possible. I get it. It's, I get it. I'm more open yeah. to that possibility than, than really I am with Singletary right now. Cause they've talked about how they got to go get another running back. Um, but what really has changed for Lindsey over the last two weeks, he's another one of the adjustments I've made since I started, is Pat Shermer. Because Pat Shermer has, generally speaking, had a feature back, and one of the first things he talked about in his press conference was how he thinks Philip Lindsey can catch more balls. So as of right now, and this could change over the summer, I'm expecting Philip Lindsey's going to have a little, little bigger piece of the pie and catch more passes with Shermer.
0: Well, what about pedigree, though? Like, because Miles Sanders, I mean, I don't understand how you have Kareem Hunt one spot ahead of Miles Sanders. That just blows my mind. But uh, Miles Sanders, five star recruit, early round pick. We know running backs get pushed oh. down. Uh, just, you know, you listen to Ben Gretch talk about Miles Sanders. He knows what's up. Phil Pelosi was an undrafted free agent. So at some point, that doesn't matter, but maybe it still does. And I just feel like. I just feel like Sanders is on the track to stardom here. And by the way, his last uh, eight games, I believe, including the playoffs, without Jordan Howard, he was on pace for 296 touches, 234 carries, 62 catches, 1,526 total yards. uh, And he was on pace to be like the number seven running back, basically, in fantasy based on those games. We.
2: We saw—we've uh, talked about this. There were multiple running backs, including Damian Williams, who saw a Aaron Jones, a much bigger increase in their share of the touches as it got closer to crunch time at the end of the season. Sanders did that, just like those guys, but he also did that after Jordan Howard got hurt. If we get to even May— and there's not like a another significant back added to this team, that I'm going to up his touches. I've got open touches sitting there just expecting. And again, I think, Adam, you've accepted because of those eight games that Doug Peterson's history doesn't matter anymore. It was only because he didn't have a running back as good as Miles Sanders, and Miles Sanders is definitely going to be that guy now. I will have to see the offseason happen before I'm going to accept that.
0: Yeah. I, I I basically do feel that way. I basically feel like And and that could be like the I could, could feel yeah. that
2: way by May. Um but mm-hmm. let's get through free agency, let's get through the draft, let's see who's on the roster with him and then maybe like, they might they could just bring Jordan Howard back. It's very I think Boston Scott's got a roster spot locked up. Right. We know Sanders
1: has a roster I, spot I'm projecting up. Sanders and Scott. What who's if the there's story? what if there's a th- it could be Howard as a
2: bench guy. Or somebody else is a bench guy. It just depends on what Jordan if, but Howard does. If they asks bring for. Jordan Howard back, I'm not going to give Miles Sanders 300 touches. I don't think you can. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're yeah, right.
0: I, I, that's fair. I agree. All right. So, so what about Josh Jacobs, Devin Singletary? Jacobs, uh, what do you have against them?
2: I don't have anything against Devin Singletary, other than it's very similar situation to Miles Sanders. He just wasn't as good. Um, so, I like I do expect he's going to share Jacobs. Just I wish he could get the touch of it. The concerns that I had about Jacobs coming into last year, and I I didn't dislike him, but I didn't have him as high quite as everybody else, was can he hold up to a full workload because he never did it in college, mm-hmm. and will he get the work in the passing game? Uh, did you get those questions? I know you got the second question. I don't think I got either of those questions really answered. But the fact that they just gave five million dollars guaranteed to Jalen Richard tells me they don't they they think they know the answer to the number two question.
1: He had six games with at least 20 carries. I don't think they were afraid to give him the bribe. But, but he didn't hold up. He did wear down as the season finished up, and, and the lack of catches is something that does make an impact in PPR leagues. And I think you're right. Jalen Machard resigning definitely hurts that upside for Josh Jacobs. But at the same time, I would imagine that they're going to try and – expand his role a little bit more maybe he gets more catches instead of carries which would help his PPR profile I think and he still shares that role a little bit with Richard
2: I think it could go either way they could say you know the fact that he had the multiple injuries at the end of last year has nothing to do with the fact that we gave him more work than he's ever had in his life and we're going to do it again or they could say eh, this guy had never had that much work and we gave it to him and he got hurt. Well. It's true. Maybe they are worried about that, and that's why
1: Richard was an easy sign for them. But I also think Richard came cheap for them. I don't think he's going to break their bank, and they liked his style of play. He has one of the top 20 running back contracts on a per-year basis. uh, Yeah, but that's because a lot of running backs aren't paid very well. The ones at the top are paid really, really well, but the ones closer to 20th, I mean, it's kind of chump change compared to the rest of the salary cap.
0: Yeah, a lot of these guys are still on their rookie deal. I mean, it's a young position, obviously. But uh, we, for what it's worth, we asked Josh Jacobs about the workload, and he seemed he said that he felt like the injuries were like his fault. Like, he could have avoided them. We I pressed him on it, you know, so it wasn't the workload, as, I, as the way I recall the interview going. And he said no, but I I don't know what that means, you know. I, you take that for what it's worth. I'm not sure any running back would admit that the workload, if that was the case. Uh, Really got to him, but Dave, what do you have to say? I mean, do you look at Sanders? Both of you, do you look at Sanders, Jacobs, and Singletary as potential stars? Yeah, you know, and just huge breakout opportunities. I mean,
1: that's that's the long and the short of it. I think that they have potential to impact their teams as versatile potentially three down running backs and it's not to say they're going to play as much or get as many touches as christian mccaffrey got i don't think any of them are in line for 112 catches but i i think all three of them have a floor of 30 catches and i think in the case of singletary that can get as high as 60. so it's just a matter of them doing a lot with the work that they get i think the path for singletary to score more touchdowns is there if frank gore is not there or if frank Gore does come back and is in some sort of reduced role where he's like strictly a bench guy don't use uh in case of emergency or like if Devin Singletary has to go tie his shoe he goes off the field ties the shoe. Frank Gore's in for a play and then they switch back Sanders obviously the workload matters we're talking about that who's he going to share with and Jacobs I, I think Jacobs is a stud he had a lot of touches last year it was 262 it's the most of, of his career is it was more than he had at three years at Alabama I, I I still think the Raiders are going to let him plunder quite a bit. I don't think that they're freaking out about him getting hurt late in the year, and I would expect him to
2: have a chance to finish as a top ten running back. I I am the most concerned about the the six Singletary and the thirty catch floor and sixty catch opportunity. He caught twenty nine last year, and he was one of the worst backs in the NFL on a per target basis. And there were questions about how good he would be in the passing game coming into the year. So I like maybe it will be if. If they bring back Frank Gore, and that's his competition, he's going to go way up my board. But if they bring in somebody that can catch even a little bit, I'll be a little worried.
0: Let's talk about Melvin Gordon versus James Connor. Dave, you have Gordon 15th and Connor 23rd. Heath, you have him almost flipped. Connor 13th and Gordon 25th. So Dave likes Gordon as a number two running back. Fifteenth and Heath has him 25th, whereas Dave has Connor 23rd, and Heath has Connor 13th. Dave, go. Gordon versus Connor.
1: I think Melvin Gordon has a chance to be a lead back for another team. He'll be a free agent. I don't think he'll sign a crazy rich contract, but he'll get something nice where he can be the, the first guy up for a team. Miami could be an option, for example, where he goes to the Dolphins. Miami's going to use two running backs. That's a staple of how Chan Gailey's offense is run, but it's got to be a running back who can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's another staple of what Chan looks for, and Melvin Gordon is an instant add there. It's just an example. I think he can hold up. I think there are legit questions about whether James Conner can hold up. You talk about Josh Jacobs and whether or not he can. Conner was on and off the field all season long, and I would imagine that the Steelers address the running back position again this offseason. I think they, they like what they have in Snell. I don't know if they like what they have in Jalen Samuels anymore. It wouldn't surprise me if they added another running back and they went with with the three-headed monster. I know we're not used to that from Pittsburgh, but I think that they could be nervous about James Conner
2: being their their workhorse. I, mean, I think it's a really bad idea if they had another running back. I think James Conner is really good and he had it he was hurt last year and yes, he had a, a missed three games the year before. Um, I may have him just a little bit too high. I don't know what to think of Melvin Gordon. I don't know how excited I'm going to be if Melvin Gordon goes to the Dolphins. It's a terrible situation with an off awful, awful offensive line. I at least know, at this point, expect James Conner is going to be the lead back in Pittsburgh, and I do expect he'll have a good offensive line in front of him.
0: Let's go over to wide receiver. Here we go. Wide receiver rankings. Everybody, get him. Get a, Take a look at him on CBSSports.com/slash/fantasy. Slash football, and you're like, Oh, DeAndre Hopkins, he's probably gonna be number two, right? Well, he's number three for Jamie, he's number two for Dave, he's number seven in PPR for Heath Cummings. Heath, would you like me to give you the Will Fuller splits?
2: Yeah, give us the Will Fuller splits, Adam.
0: Okay, so Will Fuller, he I, so I took the games that he left with an injury, I considered games he missed. So if that's the case. He played 9 games, he missed 6. DeAndre Hopkins, his pace with a healthy Will Fuller was 101 catches, 1200 yards, 7 touchdowns on 142 targets. Without Will Fuller, 125 catches, it's 24 more. About 100 more, about 90 more yards, 1296, 8 touchdowns instead of 7, but 187 targets. He was on pace for 45 more targets without Fuller. And he was with Fuller. We kind of saw some similar splits um, in 2018 as well. So yeah, I was a little. But it is still surprising to see Hopkins seventh in uh, in your ranking Heath.
2: Yeah, and my my bigger concern was with with Fuller and Kenny Stills on the team. They really changed the way they used DeAndre Hopkins last year. He was used more like a Michael Thomas, closer to the art line of scrimmage. His average depth of target dropped about twenty percent. And his yards per target last year were lower than any year in his career except for the Brock Osweiler year. So if the targets are going to come down just a little bit from where they have historically been, and he's not going to be really all that elite on an efficiency basis because they're using him so close to the line of scrimmage, I just don't know that he has quite the same upside. Now, Fuller could get hurt week one and miss the entire season, and he could get 180 targets. But I think it might take 170, 180 targets for him to be a top two or three guy. I think the bigger issue
1: is what do they do about their run game? This is another landing spot for Melvin Gordon, potentially, where he can just come in and they, they, they throw some money at him and he impacts their offense, and all of a sudden they've got a run game and a running back who can reliably catch the ball out of the backfield. He can end up doing a, a duo with Duke. That sounded kind of cool, um, except it won't be cool if you draft Melvin Gordon in fantasy. And that could take some targets away from, from DeAndre Hopkins. But I love his consistency. He's finished as a top-five receiver, I think – it definitely each of the last two years. I'm not sure where he went in 2017, but he's also been no, top he was six not what, cons-
0: Hopkins, he was not, well, in non PPR. I'm talking he was PPR. Like eight. In PPR, I think he was five. Okay. Yeah, it, Still it top was five. not that good of a year for him, though. Yeah, and, you're and, right. Sorry. And I got top six in non-PPR. consistency.
1: And you're going to hear it from me probably every podcast between now and August. You're not going to find a lot of players who can give you good consistency. Week in and week out in fantasy, I want to get those guys. You can find and I a lot of them one of the
2: elite receivers in the game. But you can find a lot of them in the first round. Like that's almost all of them oh, in the yeah. first round are. And so that's the debate here is if we're taking Hopkins in the first round or the second round. Mm-hmm. Um and I think But I almost feel
1: like he's he's gonna be like and I'm sorry to cut you off, like a top seventeen or eighteen pick. Agreed. No matter what. Like he's gonna be right in that turn of one, two where people, if they want a receiver, they're going to look at him. If Devontae Adams is gone and they, they like Hopkins better than Julio, they're going to take him. It's it's a matter of uh, personal preference here.
0: So everyone has Michael Thomas, number one, Jamie, Dave, and Heath. DeAndre Hopkins is three for Jamie, two for Dave, seven for Heath. Uh, Devontae Adams is top three. Julio Jones is top four. Chris Godwin's top six. Tyree Kill is top six. Mike Evans is top seven. So the top... Seven wide receivers are all the same in a different order, except you got Hopkins Hopkins is the real outlier there. Now you go a little farther than that and DJ Moore is eighth for Jamie and Heath and fourteenth for Dave. So Dave still has Cup, Galladay, Juju, Cooper, Edelman, Keenan Allen ahead of DJ Moore. Uh and again, like I said, Moore is eighth for Jamie and Heath. So Dave, why uh why are you not putting DJ Moore in your top ten?
1: Makes me nervous that he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. I am not 100% certain that he's going to continue to get fed the types of targets that he got fed last year. And going back to the consistency thing, he finished top 10 in wide receiver consistency, still didn't have, what was my number, 16 PPR points or more in half of his games. Now, he did in the second half of the year. Is that the DJ Moore that we're getting? If so, is Cam Newton or whoever the quarterback is going to be in Carolina going to fire at him as often as Kyle Allen and Will Greer did down the stretch? Is this offense in Carolina going to cater to him that way? And is Curtis Samuel going to be bad again? So there's questions about DJ Moore that I have, even in a PPR, that makes me a little bit nervous of putting him in my top 10.
2: Yeah, he's a first-round wide receiver that was extremely efficient as a 21-year-old rookie and then dominant as a 22-year-old second-year player. I don't think his quarterback play can be worse than it was last year. Kyle Allen was one of the worst deep ball passers in the NFL. Will Greer was worse than Kyle Allen. So it, it, assuming that they don't bring in somebody even worse than those two, I expect D.J. Moore is going to take another step forward in year three. And I like he might even be a top-five wide receiver this year. How many games does he have next year with – eight
1: plus catches. That's, that's a question I have for you. Um, six. All right. He had four last year. So that's, that would mean taking a step forward, being a bigger part of the offense. Is he still going well, to, is are his touchdowns going to perk up because he hasn't had a lot of those.
2: It would also mean just playing 16 games. He didn't play week 16 and he only played like five snaps in week 15. So it's a guy who put up that season in 14 games, basically. Yeah, well, and in like his him. last
0: seven games, he was on pace for 1,600 yards on 171 <laughs> targets. Only two targets inside the 10-yard line. But that really is kind of... That could be a very fluky stat. I'll tell you what what I think could be a problem for DJ Moore is the division. Uh, Atlanta's defense got a lot better, and they Ooh. started doing well against number ones. New Orleans has Lattimore. Now, he crushed New Orleans. Lattimore did not play that game. Tampa Bay... Remember, I said it so many times in January. They were so good against number one wide receivers down the stretch. They just they just became arguably the best. It was crazy. Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, like the best of the best. They were shutting him down. Um, so it's just something to consider there for DJ Moore. He might have that sort of Devonte Adams like schedule where it it could limit him a little bit, I but don't ranking him eighth, I think, is not you know, not like yeah. ranking
2: first. I mean, he he was only he was in the slot thirteen percent last year. Um, he's pretty good in the slot. I wonder if they just move him inside a little bit against those teams.
1: I, I wish they move him inside more against everybody. Like, make use of his skill set because he can do that. I think the reason why he was probably outside more was because they get it outside more, DJ, more. Yeah, yeah. Is because yeah. they were more comfortable with other players <laughs> playing the slot. Yeah. Um, I just I I, I like him. I like him a lot. Disgusting. I hate that I'm the low guy on DJ Moore. It probably means I'm not gonna get him in any of the leagues that we play together. No, because Ben Gretch is gonna have him like third. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he yeah. he is a PPR model. I've got him even lower than that in non-PPR. Like he's 20th for me in non. I I'm I'm even more nervous about him in that format than I would be in PPR.
0: Okay, let's talk about some other young receivers. Terry McLaurin and Cortland Sutton. And Heath really likes these guys, has them both in the top twelve. He's got uh, McLaurin 12th and Sutton 11th. Dave and Jamie, not quite. Jamie's got McLaurin 30th. Dave has him 22nd, and it's kind of the opposite for Sutton. Jamie has Sutton 21st, and Dave has Cortland Sutton
2: 31st. Can you look up, Adam, where these guys finished last year on a per-game basis? I've got it. Because I I feel like like, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like they were both top 20 guys on a per-game basis.
0: No, McLaurin wasn't. McLaurin was 25th in non-PPR and 30th in PPR. And he only had 58 catches in 14 games. I was right. surprised by that. Uh, Sutton um, Sutton probably was. He finished as the number 17. He's close. 17 in non-PPR, 18 in PPR, and he played 16 games. So I would imagine he's right around 20th.
1: Right. Sutton and McLaurin were almost dead even in PPR fantasy points per game. Uh, McLaurin had 13.3. Oh. Sutton had
0: 13.4. Oh, all right. So maybe not. All right, I'll tell you right now where, where they finished. Uh, go ahead. Make your case, and then I'll tell you where uh, Sutton finished.
2: Well, I mean, McLaurin just had, what, 919 yards in 14 games, and a lot of it was with Case Keenum early in the year, but he had two very good games at the end of the year with Dwayne Haskins. In fact, his last three were all pretty good with Haskins. I think Haskins made improvements as a rookie passer. I expect him to make more improvements this year. And I don't really have questions as far as target share go for Terry McLaurin or Cortland Sutton. I expect them to dominate targets on their own teams.
1: I I don't have a hard time... Uh, I I'm, I would have a hard time debating you on what you just said. I do think Sutton kind of maxed out at the types of targets that he had last year. 16 games, 124 targets. I'm always looking for that number. 120 targets, that's the number that you want to look for from a wide receiver, especially once you get past the first two rounds when you're looking for wide outs. Uh, if you can find a guy that you think can get 120 targets, draft him, because I think that they've got potential to come through. And, and Sutton did just that. And he's he he told me he's trying to work on his game and take it to the next level. But I think Shermer's arrival is going to be much better for Noah Fant than it will be for Cortland Sutton, which is why I think if you're drafting Sutton at best, he's doing what he did last year. And that's 133
2: PPR fantasy thirteen point four rather the, whatever they're about the same. The way that he can improve that target number without taking a bigger share of the pie is that they are not one of the slowest teams in the NFL this year. I mean, with Rich Scandarella, and we've seen it a lot with rookie play callers. They take longer to call plays. Mm-hmm. They don't play quite as quick. They ran nine hundred and fifty four offensive plays.
1: But do we know Pat Shermer is you know I, a speedster when it comes to calling plays? I, especially with a second year quarterback. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I think that they can be a little bit fast, right? And that'll help. Maybe he gets to 130 targets that way. But I'm I'm not ready to to put Sutton on the pedestal in a PPR format when he only had 72 catches, had a 58% catch rate. I'd, I'd love to see those numbers go up. I'm not sure that it can. And that sounds a lot like Kenny Galladay. It does, but I think Galladay scores more touchdowns and has more big plays thrown his way.
0: Okay, so. I think Sutton was more like 30th on a per-game basis. He was 28th in uh, in PPR, and I think he was about 30th in non-PPR. So surprising. I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, and McLaurin, they were pretty similar in both, both formats. McLaurin a little bit better in non-PPR, Sutton a little bit better in PPR. Uh, give me your favorite late-round pick. There's no way, by the way, there's no way to do a full breakdown of rankings. So I just try to pick some highlights here i encourage everyone to look at the rankings give me your favorite late round pick because i know the the rankings are different here jameson crowder christian kirk brandon cooks crowder kirk cooks dave uh how would you rank them
1: i have them uh kirk 36th crowder 45th and cooks i've got 44th in ppr i've got him one spot ahead of crowder Uh, kirk would be my favorite of the three i don't even think i'm the high guy on Christian Kirk amongst my peers here at CBS. (laughs) No, but I, I think that if, if you like Kyler Murray, I think Christian Kirk is going to play. He made a bunch of mistakes last year, really could improve his efficiency. um, But it is kind of in that high target volume role for Arizona. And I think he can continue to keep it there. Does he have potential for a thousand yards and 80 catches? I'm going to say no. But I think as a, as a as number three receivers go, I think he's among the better ones you could draft, and that's only in PPR. non PPR, it's a different story.
2: Yeah, I, I again, I, th- I think it's similar to what I said. I expect Kyler Murray to improve a little bit as a passer, and I expect Christian Kirk in his third year to improve as a wide receiver and like eighty catches and a thousand yards. He had sixty-eight and seven hundred and thirteen games last year, and like Dave said, didn't play particularly well. He was better as a rookie, so I do think if he plays sixteen games, that's that's a pretty decent benchmark to aim for. Well, um, the the sixteen game pace from last year
1: was eighty-four catches, but only eight hundred and seventy-three yards. Yeah, let's let's get Christian Kirk a little more vertical, huh? Let's, well, he, let's, and he was the. They, they just couldn't block anybody, so they couldn't send anybody. You know what? That's a good point, and maybe that's something that helps Christian Kirk out. I, I expect one of the three rookie receivers that Arizona drafted to, to step in to a bigger role. It could be Isabella who just has speed for days, and he would really add a great dimension to that offense. It's just a matter of whether or not he's ready. They still have Hakeem Butler on the roster. That's a big body on the outside. And Larry Fitzgerald is back for another year. So there's a lot of targets to go around. It makes me nervous to to trust Christian Kirk as a top 24 guy right now.
0: But nobody really seems to have much faith in Brandon Cooks, who was very consistent, Three years in a row, I think top fifteen wide sure. receiver at a macro Obviously, level, he was, was very
1: consistent. I, but on uh, a per game basis, yeah. not at all. Right? I mean, one week great, one right. week bad, and you just don't know. Like tough matchup, he's great, and then the next week it's a cupcake
2: matchup, and he's got three targets. I'm not comfortable at all with where I have Brandon Cooks, and I've been trying to find ways to add more targets to his projection because it seems ridiculous to put that much weight in the last year. Um, I think I've got him up to like 51st now in PPR, and I'll try to get him higher, but it does seem like at this point he's behind Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and we know that the running backs will be a little involved and the tight ends will be possibly more heavily involved than they have been in the past. That makes it tough to find enough targets for him to be good. I I think what you would have to expect is that one of Cup or Woods or Higby is just not going to be good at all. Or they just pass like crazy. Well, he threw 680 yeah. passes last year and he got 70 targets. Right.
0: Okay, yeah. let's go to the tight ends here and we can talk about Tyler Higby if we want, but you know, everybody's got the same top eight at tight end in some order. And that top eight would be Kelsey one, Kittle two, on average, Ertz three, Waller four, Andrews five, Hooper six, Henry and Ingram. Uh, those are your top eight, but Within that those rankings, you've got a low projection, sort of, I guess, for Zach Ertz because Heath, you got him fifth, and he's third for Jamie and Dave, and that means you have Darren Waller and Mark Andrews ahead of Ertz.
2: Yeah, we talked about Ertz quite a bit in the projection last week. Um, I think, like the main thing I would say is I don't think they throw quite as many passes to tight ends as they did last year. I believe it was two hundred and forty or something, the most or second most in the last twenty years. Um, but I do think that Dallas Goddard's share of the tight end targets remains at least as high as it was. So that would mean that Ertz is going to see his targets decline from what they were this year, and we kind of saw it until all the wide receivers got hurt. He was he was a real disappointment, but he made it he made it
1: pretty clear what he's capable of doing. He he gave everybody some big reminders of what he is capable of being in that offense, and they're adding receivers. They're going to add at least two this offseason. And even with additional players on the field, it would have to be somebody like Amari Cooper going to Philadelphia to really shake me on Zach Ertz. I still think he's going to be a red zone beast. I still think he's got potential to affect the game the same way that Kelsey and Kittle can affect the game. And I still think he's going to be a good volume target, maybe not where he was two years ago or toward the end of last year, but still get good volume. The other side to this is how comfortable – can we be with Darren Waller and Mark Andrews and whoever else can make that jump ahead of Zach Ertz I, for now I think it's just it's kind of easy to rank Zach Ertz third and then just say all right look he's given you so much you know what to expect from him he's pretty reliable and I and I appreciate that you take the hard way out on that and say no I think he's going to take a step back and you're going with Waller and you're going with Andrews ahead of him I'm just I'm just not sure that it's warranted quite yet. Because I think Oakland will add guys that will take targets away from Waller. And I think Baltimore will add somebody that can take targets away from Mark Andrews.
0: Yeah, especially Oakland. Because like we saw Andrews' production go down when Renfro became more involved. And obviously, they had Antonio Brown. They were expecting to have Antonio Brown. So this entire season was played without what was supposed to be their number one wide receiver, that, that helped Waller.
2: I'll have more concern for Waller if it's a quarterback change as opposed to more weapons being added. Because as long as he's got Derek Carr as his quarterback, it doesn't matter who you have running down the field 20 yards away, Derek Carr's not going to see them.
0: Yeah, but but we saw what happened when Renfro came on. It really hurts uh, Darren Waller. You know, this is this kind of the same thing? Like Earth's, it, Earth's he did. You're right. There Earth's was
2: like a, but again, that was a narrative. It was like a four game stretch where Hunter Renfro really seemed to affect Darren Waller's production. But Waller finished with a very good game when Hunter Renfro was on the field, right?
0: Weeks nine through twelve was when Renfro kind of got going, and he had five. Renfro had five more catches than Waller. He had three more targets and one more touchdown. Waller had about eighteen more yards. Their production was very similar. It was just it was a bad it was a bad four game stretch. It was thirteen catches, two hundred eleven yards, no touchdowns on twenty targets in four games. Right, but that's that's that's
2: like a eight hundred yard pace for a tight end in a bad stretch.
0: But it it's five targets per game. That's you know not so good. But all right, look, it it is a small sample size. Ertz averaged seven point two five targets per game with Alshon Jeffrey, and he averaged eleven targets per game without Alshon Jeffrey or in games, which Jeffrey left early. You all have Noah Fant over TJ Hawkinson. Give me a, a reason why.
2: Pat Schirmer. That's
1: that's definitely the best reason why. The second best reason is because we saw quite a bit of Hawkinson, and he was minimized in the offense. And I think Detroit's going to make Galladay their, their main receiver on offense. We'll see what they have at number two, whether they hang on to Marvin Jones or not. I think Hawkinson could end up being the third best guy there. I don't know how many games he's going to have next year with five or six targets.
0: You all have Tyler Higby ahead of Jared Cook. What are you thinking?
1: I don't know. I'm thinking that it's going to be a, a young, aggressive tight end in a in a in just as good of a passing offense as the one that Cook is in who might get lost from time to time, but Cook got lost from time to time. I'm going younger here. That's really what it comes down to. And, and the bet is that Higby continues to get good volume. I don't think he'll be quite where he was at the end of last season. But he, he's another one of these big mismatch guys that the Rams kind of stumbled into, whereas the Saints brought in Jared Cook to be that mismatch guy, and they forgot about him for the thir- first third of the year.
2: Yeah, like Jared Cook at age 32 averaged 16 yards per reception and scored nine touchdowns on 65 targets for the year. That's four targets per game. Man, saying he can't keep that up? I, I don't think we should expect Jared Cook to keep that up. And the year before he was awesome because he got 101 targets, but I don't think there's room for 101 targets in the Saints offense. And so. he
1: do you agree that Higby will have a hard time keeping up his pace from the end of last year, too? Oh, there's no chance. Which Zero is why chance. which is why neither of these guys who did some incredible things last year are not top five types of tight ends. I've got Evan Ingram ahead of both of them. And Ingram did almost bupkis last year. But thats I, I think he bounces back, and I think Jason Garrett and his track record with how he's used his tight ends when he was a play caller, you can read about that on CBSports.com right now. I, I think that there's room for Ingram to be better than both of them next year, and he's one of the value picks that I think you can get at tight end.
0: Last eight games of the season for Jared Cook, that's when Drew Brees came back. He was the number one tight end in non-PPR, number two in PPR, but... In a probably unsustainable way, 76 targets in those eight games, 19.2 yards per catch. Whoa, he did not have 76 targets
2: in those eight games.
0: He was on pace for 76 targets. Oh, he had 38 Um, in those eight games. Okay. He had 38, 38 targets in those eight games. Thank you. He was on pace for 76 targets, which would have been 12th most among tight ends. So you can't expect a guy to be the number one or two tight end with the 12th most targets. Just... Yeah, I understand why you went with Higby over Cook. I just wanted to be a little dramatic there. All right, speaking of dramatic, Dave, what were your takeaways from the XFL? This is the XFL.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it. I I ended up watching parts of every game, and I think I watched one game from beginning to end and was, was excited. To me, it felt like Arena League football, outdoors, larger field, better quality players and not that these guys, you know, there's a reason why they're in the XFL and not in the NFL, but I I think there's a lot of good players. Eh, That good's too strong. A lot of adequate players playing against other adequate players. And it, it, it made for a fun game and, Look, I, th- I think the design of the game didn't necessarily play out on the scoreboard. I thought that the game is designed to have a lot of closer matchups, the fast pace of the game, the fact that you can score nine points on one possession. Uh, we didn't quite see it play out that way. The coaches were pretty conservative in that regard, but it, it's a passing league more so than the NFL, and uh, it was fun. I had fun with it. I played some DFS with it. I I lost ten bucks, at, at the end of the at the end of the weekend. Um, I also bet on the XFL I might have a problem but I won money on that so ultimately it was a positive weekend and uh, I, I don't know if any of these guys are coming to a National Football League team near you but for now it's fun it's a great replacement for the NFL in the dead of the year when there's no other football being played and it, it, it it's made fantasy fun too. Ben Gretsch who's been on our podcast before has has done a, a piece on the five biggest takeaways on uh on the xfl and i think it's worth reading if you are going to watch the xfl or play dfs xfl or
2: regular fantasy um my five biggest takeaways i only have two (laughs) aaron murray's really bad he had a terrible (laughs) so bad
1: and you know what tampa bay like uh, Tressman, for whatever it's almost like he treated that game as a preseason game he he they were one of Three teams that were 50-50
2: run pass or more in favor of the run. My my second takeaway is Christine Michaels' stat line. Oh, my gosh. He had seven carries. And people
1: were taking him with a first-round
2: pick. I took him second overall. Yeah. Seven carries, zero yards, one target, one catch, negative one yard. So you had more yards than Christian Michael. Cameron Artis-Payne, his counterpart, mm-hmm. also former NFL star, Two carries. No, with you're six using yards. star a little loosely there. Lance Dunbar led that team in rushing yards with 27. Mm-hmm. These are just fun things. This is not a
1: rushing league. Uh, there, you're not going no. to. Th- running backs are going to be kind of um, like tight ends. Don't don't tell Matt Jones that. Why? 21 yeah. carries for 85 Smith yards. And, and that was, I think, that was the most yards any running back had on the ground. XFL Week One but
0: uh, my th- my first round pick was uh, was Devion Smith of Tampa Bay and I was encouraged that he got 16 carries in a game that they lost 23 to 3 so that was, you know, okay, we're all learning here. What, what I thought was really fascinating about this was like, you are trying to be a fantasy analyst on a league that you know absolutely nothing about. Imagine that you have never seen, that nobody has ever seen an NFL game and all the assumptions you would make and how wrong you would be. You know, it's just, it's, it's a real challenge and it's just a different perspective on the game. I love the fact that you hear from the replay official uh, how he's talking to the head referee and figuring out the uh, the close plays and if it's a catch, if it's not. you interviewing players right during the game on the sideline. That was pretty cool. The kickoff was interesting with the way they line up. I didn't see any. I didn't see anything too crazy. I mean, it felt like normal football to me. Uh, one fantasy player, Austin Prol. I believe Austin is his first name. He's Ricky. He had a big son. game. He, yep. had, he had a huge that's game. That's Ricky's kid. Ricky's kid. Yeah. Uh, he he had a huge game. He had ten targets which is great, but he had like a long, fluky touchdown. Yep. So we'll see if that – like he was like the 60th pick in our draft. Yeah. So I feel like I was he's hoping a sell he high, but drafted. if he had 10 targets – Yeah, me too. If well, how about Nelson targets, Spruce then, that, with
1: 15 yeah. targets? Crazy how about P.J. Stuff. Walker? P.J. Walker was the cheat code in DFS this past <laughs> yeah, week. quarterback, big game. Oh, him, he yeah. plays for Houston. Okay. He could be Walker, Texas Ranger.
0: I like Cardell Jones name. too. Uh, I think he's going to be it's good. my
1: new XFL fantasy team name. He was and he was he went into camp not even as a starter. You
2: remember Connor Cook? Walker Texas Danger.
0: <laughs> Cardell Jones, uh the DC quarterback, I think is going to have a really good year. He had I agree. 9 carries, he threw two touchdowns. I think they're going to be they're going to be solid. All right. Yeah. Thank you for uh, listen. listen. I'm not on the rest of the week. So Dave Heath, you have to uh, uphold this promise you're about to make. We haven't read emails in a long time. They were supposed to be on the show today. Didn't ha- didn't get time for them. You have to read emails on the next show and the one after that. Okay.
1: You want to do a mailbag show?
0: We can do a mailbag show, but right, emails do have a to be read, show. and they will Why be not? read. You up for that? Heath? F- fantasy I'm not going to be on the next show.
2: Oh, Okay. on. Well, okay.
0: It Doesn't have to be the next show. We can but we can do the be, mailbag we'll as
2: part of the uh, when we do the dynasty coverage. We'll get it. Whatever it, in. it is. We'll get fantasy it in football
0: at it. cbsi.com All right. Good. Alright, thanks for listening everybody. For day, for Heath, I'm Adam. Jamie, feel better. We'll talk
1: to you on Tuesday. Uh, na, 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 na. Nah.